Hi, good morning, everyone. How are you? Happy New Year. It is the start of 2022 and the first Sustainable Short Takes with Joy and Tova. I am Joy Jarman Walsh, based in Hiroshima, Japan. Hi, and I'm Tova Kinooka, based just outside Yokohama in Kanto region. So we are both sustainability-focused consultants, and this is our weekly show to give you some updates and things that have been on our radar, uh, which we find interesting, inspiring, and better options for sustainable living, sustainable work, and travel. Uh, should we start with some New Year resolutions, Stova? Right. Okay. So... Um... I don't know if this is just a, a British thing. Maybe you can help me out on this, Joy. But. On the subject of New Year's resolutions, it's one of those things that, you know, you, you set yourself a, a goal thinking, right, I'm going to do this better. Um, you know, I'm going to start this wonderful new habit or I'm going to achieve this this year. And then I think there are probably statistics around it in research, but usually you find by sort of halfway through January or certainly by the end of January, all those have kind of fizzled out and you get to the end of the year and go, oh, <laughs> what happened there? You know, nothing actually was achieved. And that's, that's a pretty common thing. Um, and I was reading an article uh, yesterday, I think it was, about uh, the key sort of looking ahead to 2022 for sustainability with uh, companies and and. Um, you know, what are going to be the big trends coming up and um, or the big shifts, really, not trends. These are more permanent. Um, and the the whole net zero thing, like there's been this flurry of companies setting net zero targets, um, which is fantastic. But I just wondered if um, that's going to be a little bit like the whole New Year's resolution where everybody sets these net, in, net zero targets but then actually achieving them is a completely different matter because there were some um, statistics from the um, Science-Based Target Institute saying that, you know, a lot of companies have set these targets, which is wonderful and absolutely necessary, um, but very few have actually got a plan underneath that for how they are going to achieve this um, and what are the steps they're going to take towards that. Yeah. So, um you know, I, I thought that really felt like the New Year's resolution thing. And I hope I'm wrong, but uh, yeah. interested to hear whether you've uh, sort of thought anything or heard anything around that. Yeah, well, that's having tangible goals, uh, making sure that everything is clear and honest. Uh, that was definitely something that was on, on my mind. I wrote uh, article on LinkedIn. I started a new newsletter. I have a newsletter on... Um, different uh, places, but I started one on LinkedIn and I talked about the five tips that I would say I'm focused on and I really want to help businesses focus on uh, mm -hmm. this year. So let me just go through those. So I keep my, keep my place. Oh no, that's not the right, that is not the right page. <laughs> It's the new year. The year. Everything's it is the crazy. new year. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so anyway, the top five. Oh my goodness. Where has it gone? Uh, this is too funny. Okay. So the top five, basically, from what I can remember, um, is talking about uh, this year is the year of the tiger. So I hope that uh, you can have the courage of the tiger to face your challenges, but also tigers are so great at cuddling. 
Um, so if you have people who are around you who are supportive, a group of tigers is called the streak, which I learned uh, I at the beginning that. of the year. So if you find ways to support your streak, but also get supported from your streak, um, that's really important this year. I always also talk about um, transparency and some of the things that I saw uh, in the news, which we have some news articles to talk about. So um, I'm very excited to see that France has started a plastic packaging ban and it started just this year. Um, so they have targeted 33, 30 varieties of fruits and vegetables and making a rule that it cannot be packaged in single-use plastic. It has to be reusable, it has to be recyclable. And they did an analysis and found that one third of their fruit and vegetables is in plastic packaging. Mm. So they made this target and most countries don't have a target starting this year, even though a lot of them talked about it in the COP26 conference last year. Yeah. Um, Spain, for example, has said they're doing this plastic packaging target from 2023. I think Japan also has this plastic packaging on the forecast um, for maybe starting at the end of this year. Last year, we saw in Japan big hurdle overcome by the banning of free plastic bags at the shopping center or supermarkets, right? So right. That, that had a big effect. Um, but we're hoping to see more movement in Japan. It was great to see France following through on this aim, uh, despite, of course, hurdles and people saying, oh, it's going to be so difficult. We don't have a good alternative. Uh, you have to look through the whole supply chain about how to shift how things are, are delivered to the shops. Um, yeah. So it's a really big hurdle, but just taking that step is really, really yeah. inspiring. Yeah. And I think that's it's really important to just to take that first step, right? It is a huge issue. It can be very overwhelming and difficult to know where to start. Um, and I think this is where the, the interplay between public and private sector is really, really important because there are a lot of companies doing really great work on looking for, you know, packaging alternatives or, you know, different ways of doing things. But it costs money, right? They have to invest upfront to, to find new solutions um, and to look into that. And if they're the only one doing that and the only one putting it, you know, that money into it and that time and effort there, that's putting them at a disadvantage financially, um, you know, in the short term. Um, so legislation can really help there by leveling the playing field, right? It, it suddenly forces everyone to, to think about this and to take action on it rather than just one or two companies sort of sticking their neck out. Um, so I, I think, you know, it's really important that we get movements like we saw here in Japan last year with having to charge for plastic bags suddenly. Um, you know, it's a tiny, tiny step on a very, very big problem. But it's it's a beginning of the mindset shift. And I think that can cascade and, and you know, begin to, to really pick up speed and, and scope. So it's a definitely a step in the right direction. Definitely. And that was one of the top five things I had in the article, mm. which I can't remember, which I'm going to link below. But uh, talking about how you have to train your staff, you have to train your family. 
it's a group effort, right? If yes. you have a sustainability goal in your company, in your family, uh, in your community, that everybody has to adopt these strategies 24 right. seven. And mm -hmm. then you'll see the biggest effect. And, and then once you start looking for better options and uh, opportunities, you can't not see it, right? Yeah. So once you yeah. train yourself to prime yourself to get ready to see better options, mm -hmm. then you'll start seeing it. But the problem is if you don't even think about it, you don't even think about finding a better option, you're not gonna see it. So right. that's, yeah. that's part of the big hurdle at the beginning of the year. Another One other news thing in Japan, yeah, uh, which which I saw this year, which I'm really happy to see, is uh, this was the first year Japan had all the Nengajo uh, were doing a collaboration with FSC, the Forest Ooh, Stewardship yeah. uh, Council. And so, at the bottom of all the New Year cards in Japan, you'll see the logo for FSC. Yep. And this is the first time it's ever happened in Japan. And I know some businesses were talking about not doing any Nengajo because they're saving paper. Yep. But there's so, so many complicated issues about saving paper just from stopping Nengajo. And yep. in terms of the economic benefits of the Nengajo system, the cultural mm -hmm. benefits, how much employment is around the, the yeah. Nengajo system. There's Absolutely. a lot of negative social effects that could happen if people stop sending yeah. Nengajo, right? It's a Absolutely. big support for the it's, post it's office not, yeah. in general. It's never simple, is it? You can't just flick a switch and say, suddenly we're gonna stop doing this because you know there are consequences, there are repercussions on that. And all these things are very deeply interconnected and interdependent. Um, but actually sort of um, building on that, what you were just saying about the FSC paper, um, we got a, a calendar given to us this year um, from Honda, Honda Cars. Um, we drive a Honda and, and we uh, the sales agent came out as they do to do the sort of end of year greeting and gave us uh, this calendar and i noticed it's got um bio oil ink it's a printed with bio oil ink which is um you know again just one of those tiny steps but it, it's just signaling a bit of a shift in mindset this is not just okay the cheapest thing whatever we can find get it out there they're actually thinking through know actually what are my customers thinking what is the message this is sending out and if we can say look we're using bio ink and we're using fsc paper then that's that's sending a message that actually we're aware of this we're we're taking action um it might be small but we're beginning to move in the right direction yeah that's so important. And I'm I'm seeing uh, loads of those small steps around. I know a very common convenience store chain uh, is using bioplastics. They're also, they have a new machine out front uh, where you can put your pet bottles. They're, they're small steps. I would love yeah. to see less pet bottles, more yeah. reusable things instead of plastics, but by decreasing the demand of the fossil fuels by reducing the demand for typical plastic that does yeah. it is a good part of the the process absolutely yeah yeah it all helps yeah you you had a, a interesting article from forbes speaking <clears throat> about uh virtual meetings and the need for breaks do you want to talk about well, that yeah absolutely so um you know, for, for me, and I'm sure, you know, it's the same for you, Joe, you, you know, you're running your own business. Um, 
and it can, <laughs> very passionate about what we do, which is a very wonderful thing and, and a privilege to be able to to work, um, you know, on an area that you feel so strongly about. But the downside of that is it's very, very hard to switch off. Right. Um, and, you know, even in your your evenings, your weekends, your holidays, you find yourself thinking constantly about this. Um, and that was hard enough before COVID. And then I think since COVID, when everything shifted to online, um, instead of having downtime between meetings, when you're maybe traveling from one meeting to another, or even, you know, walking from the meeting room to your desk or something like that to go grab a coffee in between, there would be that time in between to just be quiet and to allow yourself to to process what you've just been talking about, to get in the right frame of mind for your next meeting and so on. Um, and we don't often get that now. You know, we find that meetings have been scheduled just back to back to back to back because we're all online anyway. And, you know, you finish your one meeting at 10 and then the next one starts at 11 and then the next one starts at 12 or whatever. And there's no let up in between. Um, and I was talking to a friend about this a few months back and we were saying how, you know, exhausting we'd found that. Um, and he actually works for a, a major bank, sorry, stuff going on in the background, um, and had found that, you know, really hard as well, um, not having this downtime in between and the days just getting really, really crammed. And then this article popped up um, on Forbes and it's uh, based on some research that uh, Microsoft did into the effects on the brain of this. And they actually sort of uh, used electrodes or whatever to map out. You can see the top there, you know, with no break. Look at the, the cumulative stress that builds up by the fourth meeting, you know, um, compared to the, uh, the the lower one where you actually have a break and your, your brain is in, you know, much less stress, therefore performing much better because, you know, the, the buildup of stress over time can really negatively affect performance, mental health, all of this. Um, so it was really interesting to see the science of what we'd been sort of feeling and talking about. Um, and it made me much more conscious of, you know, for, for ourselves to be physically uh, sustainable. Um, in this online environment, we need to be really conscious of, of taking these breaks. And so that's something I'm going to try and do more of this year and, you know, not schedule meetings back to back and, and try and make sure there's a bit of time in between just to move around, stretch, go and get a coffee, have a, you know, 10 minute walk outside or whatever it is away from the screen. That's so important. And I, I think I, I learned that the hard way last year, mm -hmm. I ended up having to go see a physio um, right. because I, I wasn't taking breaks enough mm -hmm. and I was sitting at my computer doing loads of work. I was I was struggling, right, to find yeah. work and to, to get yeah. work done because we're all stuck at home and mm -hmm. I couldn't go visit people or, or do consulting face-to-face -face like I was doing. Yeah. Um, and I was just in this sat position all day, every day. And right. suddenly I had all these shooting pains in my back. I had to go. Luckily, we have great physio nearby and they gave me advice. And they said, basically, you need to take breaks. Go for walks. Do some stretching. Like all the, of course, yeah. kind of advice that you know for yourself. Mm -hmm. You always give to other people. Yeah. Um, but uh, definitely taking breaks. And then this whole concept of how it affects your brain is so interesting. Yeah. Thanks for highlighting that. 
Mm. No, it's it's a really important one. And I think, you know, for ourselves at a, a personal level, it's something we can be conscious of. But also, you know, if you're leading a team um, and, and when you're scheduling meetings with other people as well, I think just being really conscious of that. And you can proactively say, OK, well, we don't need an hour for that meeting. 45 minutes will be fine or 20 minutes instead of 30 minutes. Let's just get it done in that time, be more efficient and then give people that sort of little bit of time in between um so that they can chill out and get in the right headspace for the next meeting yeah definitely um i found the right page i think so i'm going to try to share it again <laughs> um i think i i talked about insight in mind and insight you know we talk about out of mind out of sight right and uh, to keep things in mind and in sight so to assess my own uh, challenges, right? Mm -hmm. To be honest about myself, but also be honest when I consult with businesses, try to encourage them to be honest and take a hard and honest look at what they're doing well, what they could be doing better yep. and how that gives you more empathy for other people and other businesses <laughs> and other, you know, companies trying something, even yeah. if it's small. It's so easy to just dismiss, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I recently heard so much negative people dismissing what the ocean cleanup is doing. They're trying to collect plastic pollution from the yeah. Pacific garbage patches. Like yeah, nobody else good. is even trying that, right? And it's so easy to say, but they're not doing this or this isn't good enough, mm -hmm. you know? And so by taking an honest look at yourself, I think that that gives you a more empathetic outlook when you're yeah. talking to others or mm -hmm. seeing what other businesses or other entrepreneurs are doing, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I really like this. And I think, um, again, sort of kind of relates to what we were talking about before about taking breaks and time to process, but just putting in to your schedule time to just stop and review for yourself, you know, what, what is going on? What am I doing well? What am I not? Um, what could I do differently or better? Um, again, is something we probably don't do enough. And particularly when it's just go, 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 go on to the next thing, on to the next meeting and so on. It's very easy to think that that's not so important. We don't have time for that. But actually, you need to make time. Um, and again, we sat down with my team at the end of uh, last year to review 2021, which was a bit of a scary exercise. Um, and uh, but we we one of the things we came up with actions for this year and we actually put it on our schedule already was we are going to sit down quarterly as a full team and say where are we now not wait till the end of the year to do our review but actually sit down and we put them in the schedule our quarterly review and say where are we now on the things we said we were going to be doing um if we're on track great if we're not why not um and what could we do differently or better or do we need to kind of recalibrate there because uh, like you say otherwise it just kind of gets pushed aside and it's go 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 and absolutely that ongoing assessment part of seeking sustainability is so yeah. important you got to make your goals and you got to regularly assess how you're doing not just once a year but every month would be yeah. great right yeah. for yourself yeah. as well as for your business Exactly. And I think, you know, right back to what we were saying at the beginning of day about the whole New Year's resolutions or net zero goals for companies. This is something that, you know, that it was interesting after COP26 last year, instead of um, being on the sort of five year review cycle for, for targets, it's been re reduced to, to yearly. Now we need to really look at these things and 
on a, a smaller um, sort of time frame within companies, I think we need to be looking at, um, you know, just sort of not waiting so long to review and really keeping closer track on these things and then upping our game on those, um, saying if we're achieving it easily, could we go a bit further actually and, and stretch that beyond? Definitely. Um, another point, I'm glad I found this page because it reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking about uh, transparency, like I, I mentioned about honesty, be honest, honest, humble and clear that we now from last year, we had some great research done and it really shows how more than 50% of consumers abroad are very angry at companies who stop them from being sustainable. Hmm. And so this trend is definitely going to come to Japan. And we had a great talk uh, with the CEO of Fabric Company right. in Tokyo. And yeah. he's seen, you know, much lower levels of consumer awareness in Japan, but increasing. Yes. as well. So we mm -hmm. are going to see more customers who are more engaged with what they buy, how they buy, where it comes from, asking questions about the products. So if we can encourage companies and products and businesses to get ahead of mm -hmm. compliance, it can really help with their brands. And they have to be very careful about greenwashing or whitewashing because it's so easy to yeah. now check and to look at what the staff at the company are doing, what the company mm -hmm. is doing in terms of social media and check on what they're claiming. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not going to be in your benefit to exaggerate a small thing that you're doing, make it seem bigger than it is, yeah. especially yeah. this year. Oh, this is going to be a huge one this year. And I think I mean, the article I was referring to earlier as well, that um, that was one of the things they talked about with the net zero goals that, you know, companies can set these goals. But now you've got, um, you know, potentially mandatory um, climate risk uh, disclosure sort of coming up in many countries, um, you know, Europe, UK, US, Japan's even talking about it as well. You know, this is going to be coming this is not something they can avoid so if they're setting these goals they're going to need to show real progress and track that and um you know it's not something they can just sort of say oh yeah we'll do that and then then brush it aside and i think that goes for the you know the, the big macro level with net zero goals but right down to like you say with, with the smaller things as well claims written on um you know sort of packaging and things like this people can check that out now and people will name and shame on social media if you yeah. are not uh, doing what you say you're doing. And that can be really, really damaging to a brand. So that's something companies are really going to need to wait. Definitely. Up. And that's so connected to training your staff yes. or, or talking about it, sharing the information about what you're doing more clearly to yeah. the customer as well, right? Mm -hmm. Because people are looking and everybody is becoming more and more skeptical because it's hard to believe yeah. a lot of these big claims, right? So Absolutely. be honest Absolutely. and show, walk the walk as well as talk the talk, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I have that little guest. A little visitor, <laughs> yeah. Um, before we talk about uh, some of the books that we've been reading that we're kind of excited about, we wanna recommend, uh, let's just mention this March event 
that Tova and I are doing, please save the date. It's going to be in person and online in Tokyo and Hiroshima on March 3rd, uh, on the 20, uh, sorry, March the 21st, which is a national holiday. And we're thinking from morning until afternoon. So it'll be a full day event. Um, lots of great speakers and activities and workshops and seminars. And next week, uh, next week, Friday in Hiroshima, I'm doing kind of a mini version of this event. I did one in December, which was great. Uh, this next one is January 14th from 6 to 9 p.m. You can join us in Hiroshima or online as well. We have two great speakers, uh, both from Hiroshima, both young entrepreneurs doing very exciting things. So hopefully you can join us. If you're interested in joining us online and you're not sure how, the tickets and all the information uh, will be on my social media from tomorrow. So I'll share that information. Tova, I'm so excited about our event in March. We've got to plan and get ready for. Yes, yeah, it's going to come up very quickly, I think, isn't it? But uh, yeah, I'm very so much too. looking forward to that. And we'll be um, hopefully starting to announce some of the details in the next sort of few weeks. I think so. Yeah, more and more will start coming out this year. Uh, you let's talk about books. I like this idea of, for the last five minutes of our talks, talking about some book recommendations that have inspired us in terms of sustainability. You had a great, uh, really interesting book I hadn't heard of, talking about low tech. Yeah, well, it's funny, isn't it? Because everyone talks about high tech, high tech, but this this one uh, and it, it's a nice hefty little tome as you can see here um low tech it's designed by radical indigenism um bit of a, a tricky one to say but as you can see here it's all about looking at what indigenous cultures are doing with regards to design and infrastructure um, and how their ecosystems work um because i think it's very easy for us in our, our developed world bubble to to think you know that you know, we're, we're streets ahead, we're, we're so far advanced and, and have all these wonderful technologies. And actually, a lot of those things are not working terribly well, or they might be working very well in one sense, but they're also, you know, producing a lot of damaging output or effects onto um, the environment. So um, a lot of the indigenous cultures have found ways through thousands of years to, to work in harmony with the and the front um picture you can see there are these bridges in india these living bridges which are incredible where they they use um i think rubber fig trees they were talking about and they just sort of train them across um so that they sort of tie the younger branches and and um, weave them together and then just allow the the natural growth to continue in that direction and over you know many many decades they form these incredible living bridge structures, which are incredibly resilient. So when they get the monsoon rains, very often man-made bridges, you know, don't stand up to those things. They, they tend to get washed away or damaged or whatever. But these things are living. They have a bit more flexibility in them. Um, the, the roots go very deep. Um, and if they are damaged, they can start, you know, they repair themselves. It's incredible. So, they, I mean, yes, it's it takes a very long-term kind of thinking to to look at things like this um, and I haven't managed to, to dig into the rest of the book yet but it's sort of broken down into four areas you've got mountains forests deserts and wetlands um, and then it looks at all the different types of um, 
sort of structures and things and how natural ventilation, for example, a lot of the old Middle Eastern cultures had incredible um, ventilation systems long before, um, you know, modern air conditioning was invented. And looking at how we can learn from that in the way that we're building now, the way we're designing our, our cities and our, our landscapes around us. Um, so it's a really fascinating read and I'm looking forward to, to digging more into that. Yeah, and there's so many applications to Japan and anywhere around the world. Yeah. Uh, going through the most popular podcasts and the most popular shows that I did last year, uh, the number one was with Asby Brown talking about designing and having good quality living small spaces that you live in. And a lot of his examples date back to the Edo period. Right. And the mm -hmm. Edo Jedi. And then he, he had another talk, which was in the top 10, talking about the sustainability of the Edo Jedi and how they reused everything. There's so much wonderful old knowledge yes. that we need to bring back. A lot of the plastic pollution problems we're seeing in the oyster industry in Hiroshima. Yeah. Let's go back to the bamboo and wood that we used to use. You know, mm -hmm. it's and this re this brings me to my book recommendation uh, for this month is Hannah Kirshner, and she wrote Water, Wood, and Wild Things. And I had a chance to talk to her last year, and I've been rereading the book and getting so many new insights because of other things that I've noticed around me since reading the first time and other news and other speakers. Mm -hmm. So I'm really hoping I can get her back on the show this year. Yeah. And uh, talking about a lot of the indigenous, old, traditional Japanese cultures, mm -hmm. which are more in balance with the needs of animals and the environment, yeah. as well as society, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we've kind of moved away in the, uh, you know, in the name of convenience and, you know, busy lifestyles. But I think actually this, this whole COVID experience has given us time to, to slow down and take stock and say, actually, is that how we want to live our lives? Just go, go, go the whole time and always going for the most convenient option. Um, so it is an opportunity to to press the reset button, I think, and to say, okay, well, some of these older ways of doing things might be a little more mendoxa, you know, it takes a little bit more effort and time. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's better for you, it's better for the planet, it's better for society. So perhaps that's something we can get back to and I think it's it's it, we talk a lot well I always rant on about mindset shift it, it takes that mindset shift um at the beginning for for people to say okay well let's give this a try but then once you get into the habit of doing something it, it's not so hard actually um but it it also it takes time right like be yeah. be kind to yourself when you're trying to change and be kind like be empathetic to companies that are trying to change because it takes time to get used to the idea and then to actually do it, right? Like yeah. the more you think about it, the easier, the more possible it seems over yeah. time. So yeah, exactly. definitely give yourself time to make these important changes, but realize that it is worthwhile. You can yes. do it. There Absolutely. are better options. <laughs> very much so, very much so. No, and, and like you say, I mean, this isn't about individuals and a personal level, but it's also about, you know, companies looking for, sustainable long-term change you can't just expect people to change overnight and the way they've been doing things for years it does take time um for change to really to 
take hold and it needs to be constantly communicated and, and supported and people need to be supported as well as to why is this important? How do I change it? And to be given the, the support and the time to try it and maybe make a few mistakes and then, you know, adjust or whatever and, and keep failing forward. Um, it's not going to be easy and it won't happen overnight. But if we keep keep on going, keep on at it, we'll get yeah. there. It's really important. So that is our 30 minutes. Thank you so much, Tova. Thank you, everybody, Thank you. for joining. See you next and, time. And uh, we, we had a comment from Sharon on LinkedIn. Thanks for joining. He said, that's our only way forward. Yes. Wonderful <laughs> way to end the talk. Uh, we yeah. have to think positive. Be kind about people trying to change and really try to challenge ourselves. Um, there's so many changes we know we need to make. Yeah. And so being honest about which ones you need to make for yourself and for your business mm -hmm. and just trying, trying to start, right? Yes, absolutely. New Year's resolutions. <laughs> yes. Thanks, everyone, for joining. And uh, join us again next week. We haven't decided when, but we'll announce it soon. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Round and around and around. Are you near? Pick up your phone, dear. I've searched for hours, but you're nowhere. I found the note beside your care won't you see, won't you see, I'll take your pain, just let me through, don't worry baby, I love you, don't be afraid to tell me the truth. Drop the armor, now I'm bolder.